In the beginning was the word. Oh, I see. You think uh, religion is for suckers and easy marks and mollycoddles, huh? It's just You think Jesus was some kind of a sissy, eh? Jesus had guts. Well, it's one thing for us to sit back here in our cushy lounge chairs in Australia and watch the devastation going on in Japan. And yes, we are devastated for what's there. Our hearts are breaking. But can you imagine being there on the ground and embroiled in all of it? Well, Peter Malins is a missionary pastor in Tokyo at the moment. And Peter, you were caught up in this earthquake. Tell us your story of uh, where you were when the earthquake struck. I wasn't actually in Tokyo at the time. I was actually up in Sendai um, uh, conference all during that week when the earthquake, just before the earthquake happened. Um, and of course, Sendai is the, was one of the main areas hit. So I was there Monday to Friday. Um, the earthquake hit on Friday and we were just leaving Sendai area. Um, we caught the bullet train only 20 minutes before the earthquake hit that area. And so it was It was pretty close stuff and pretty scary stuff. Originally, we had planned to get the 246 Shinkansen, a bullet train, out of the area. Um, but we got there early, and so we got the two, the 226 bullet train. And uh, I don't know if you know, but the, the earthquake hit at 246. Wow. Um, so so we, were, we were almost on that train when it hit, but we got we got out 20 minutes earlier, yeah. And because the trains travel so fast, you were well and truly out of the danger zone. I mean, you still had other consequences of the earthquake, but you weren't in that direct danger uh, at the time that the earthquake hit. Exactly. I mean, you know, it's just really a, a miracle that we caught that earlier one because, yeah, those trains travel at like 300 kilometres an hour. So so we were about, I think we worked out, we were about 60 kilometres away from Sendai area when the earthquake hit, we were in between Sendai and actually Fukushima, which is where the, where the nuclear plant is. But at that time, at that stage, the nuclear plant had not kind of blown up. So it was, it was really quite a miracle that we weren't there at that time because we were supposed to be there at that time. Such a God thing. Um, That's just amazing. On a complete side yeah. note, you just mentioned that the trains travel at 300 k's an hour. What is it like being on a train that's going 300 kilometres an hour? We just can't comprehend that here in Australia. Yeah, I mean, the, those trains are amazing and they're so smooth. So you don't even really realise that you're going that fast. They just really cruise along, but you don't even feel it. I don't know how they work for things, but they're so smooth. But it's great because you get back to Tokyo in, in a couple of hours and it would normally take, um, you know, five hours by car. They're quite incredible, but not so much fun in an earthquake. No. <laughs> Well, tell us about your experience then when the earthquake hit. What was it like being in the train? Yeah, well, what I remember was, um, I mean, we were cruising along. We had just left Sendai, like I said, 20 minutes earlier, and we were cruising along. Um, a friend of mine, actually from America, was next to me. Um, he was in the conference as well. But uh, some of the phones over here have earthquake alerts. I don't know how it works, but, you know, Japanese is a high-tech kind of country, so... Mm -hmm. Um, he got an earthquake alert on his phone, on his mobile phone. Um, it just kind of buzzed and said earthquake. And he showed me, he said, Pete, look at this. Uh, it says earthquake. I don't understand. Um, and I'm like, oh, that's weird. Anyway, just after he got that alert, the Shinkansen, the, the bullet train lost power. 
and just started to kind of slow down um, and then eventually kind of shuddered to a halt in the middle of this massive tunnel. I mean, the, these, they've, they've made these huge tunnels through mountains for these trains. Um, some of the tunnels are kilometres long, so they're not a tiny little train tunnel. They're massive mountain tunnels. Um, and we were right in the middle of one of these huge mountain tunnels when it stopped. And then as soon as it stopped, everything was just shaking. Um, and we're like, whoa, that earthquake warning was right. Um, mm. This is a major earthquake. Uh, just just the whole train was shaking. And uh, we couldn't see anything outside because we're in a tunnel. It was dark. So we didn't really know what was happening. Um, but that was pretty freaky stuff, being in, in a tunnel when the... When the where the ground is shaking and the train is shaking. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I guess you're feeling insecure too. I mean, your first immediate thought was, is this tunnel going to collapse? I would think that would be the logical um, thing, but it oh, did totally. collapse. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. You just don't know what's going to happen. You know, is it, yeah, is the roof going to collapse? Um, is the tunnel going to be blocked? You know, is there going to be a landslide at either end of the tunnel, which is highly likely, you know, highly possible? Are we going to be trapped in here? Um, and we didn't know the magnitude of it at that stage. We just knew it was an earthquake, and it wasn't until later and the, the train driver and you know people with their iPhones started getting reports from outside of what had actually happened, and that this was a major, major earthquake. And so we're just like, oh, my goodness. We couldn't believe that we were um, that close to it. Mm. Incredible stuff. We're talking with Peter Malins uh, in Sendai at the time of the earthquake, uh, but God kept him safe by some amazing miracle. Peter, that wasn't the end of it, though. I mean, you were sitting there in the train in this tunnel. What next? The power's gone out. How do you get out? Do you have to spend some time there in the train? Yeah, well, it was quite an ordeal. Um, um, obviously, we didn't know exactly what had happened, and even the train driver didn't know exactly. So, they just slowly kind of got reports coming in of, you know, at that time it was an 8.8, they said, 8.8 magnitude earthquake. They said there's, you know, devastation all around. Um, you've got to stay in the train. Um, in this tunnel is probably the safest place to be right now. <laughs> I wasn't so sure about that. No. <laughs> um, but, but that's what they kept saying. And, you know, so just every five to ten minutes the train driver would just basically say the same thing hey everyone you know there's been an 8.8 magnitude earthquake you know it's dangerous that we've lost power we have to stay this is the safest place to be we can't move um and so everyone's just sitting there wondering what on earth is happening and what on earth we're going to do um you know is the train going to get power back um are we going to be able to get back to tokyo are we going to have to sit here all night? What's happening outside? Uh, people trying to call their families and loved ones. The phone lines were jammed all around Japan. The phone lines were jammed. Um, mm. People couldn't get messages out. People couldn't call in. I mean, people were trying to call me hundreds of times um, to find out if I was okay because they knew I was in the area. They couldn't get through. Eventually, actually, my brother called me from Australia because he saw this stuff on the news and he, he knew I was in that area and my family called me from Australia on his phone and they got through and I could tell them, you know, that, uh, hey, I'm safe, but I don't know what's going to happen. So, you know, that was kind of happening. 
uh, we ended up staying there the whole night. 19 hours, Shelley, in that uh, train in the tunnel. Wow. Um, not really knowing what was happening. The train driver just eventually said around midnight, guys, sorry, it looks like, like we're going to be here for the night because there's no power. And so we just had to try and sleep. So was it pitch uh, black in there a, then? It, fortunately, it wasn't completely pitch black. Otherwise, that would have been totally freaky. Yeah. Um, train has a, some emergency lighting, so it was dim. Uh, the middle of the train carriages were kind of dim, but at the end of each carriage was some basic um, dim emergency lighting. So we, we could see a little bit, um, which was great. And then halfway through the night, the, the power came back on the, in the tunnel. So they just have little lights in the tunnel so you could see. Um, we kind of stuck our head out the emergency door and looked down the tunnel and we're like, wow, we really are in a huge tunnel because you couldn't see the end of, of the tunnel either way. Wow. Um, and so we were just kind of sitting there all night chatting and then trying to sleep. People were pretty calm, though. Um, in the middle of the night, actually, emergency crews came into the tunnel and dropped off water and um, basic little snacks and stuff because we didn't have anything. I was going to ask that. Uh, you we must have been in. getting hungry by that stage. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, all of this. They, they do sell snack stuff, stuff in those trains because they go for so long, but all of that sold out in like an hour because people panicked a little bit. Mm. And so then there was nothing left. So, you know, emergency crews came into the tunnel on a little cart and brought in, um, you know, water and kind of green tea and stuff and, and little snacky kind of things. Um, so that was a good sign. We're like, wow, at least, you know, maybe we're going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> They're helping us. So, so how that did was you, a positive sign. How did you eventually end up getting out of the tunnel then? Yeah, well, about seven seven thirty in the morning, the train driver walks through every um, carriage in the train. Now you got to understand these trains are huge. A thousand passengers were on this train. They're massive, long trains, and he walked through to everyone and, and said, "Look, um, we're going to evacuate at about nine o'clock. We'll evacuate you car by car, and we've got buses waiting." To either take you north or south. If you need to go to Tokyo area, we'll, we'll take you down there. So eventually, after the total of 19 hours in that train um, and then stuck in the tunnel, um, they evacuated us off the train and kind of through the tunnel. And I didn't realize that these tunnels have emergency side exits out of the mountain. So we kind of walked up a, a few hundred meter ramp about a 30-degree ramp um, up out of the mountain and out into the sunshine. And, wow, sunshine has never felt so nice. After <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, being guess... in the dark for 19 hours, not knowing, you know. Yeah, and feeling like, wow, maybe this is going to be all right after all, just that glimmer of sunlight. Yeah, well, it's, it's the glimmer of hope, isn't it? That, yeah. Wow, there's sunshine, you know, and um, and the buses were waiting there, and we're like, hallelujah! Yeah, definitely. <laughs> this end, end in sight to this, and but then nine hours, nine hours again on the bus because we couldn't take the highway because the highways were too dangerous because they would have been damaged. So we had to take the local kind of roads, and another nine hours on the bus back to Tokyo. Um, so it was quite a long, 
ordeal. Um, mm. But, you know, we were just so grateful and so thankful to God um, for that miracle. I mean, that really was a miracle. All around us was devastation um, in Sendai, and you probably saw some of the footage. Fukushima got hit as well by a tsunami, as, as did Sendai, and we were right in that area, but somehow we... Um, we escaped that. We were kind of, I don't know, I don't know if we were protected under that mountain, um, but, you know, we came out unscathed, so we were just so thankful to God for for his goodness in that terrible situation. Yeah, and as you were saying, I mean, it yeah. could have been a lot worse. If you had have taken that train that you were originally planning on taking, then um, you would have been right there in the thick of it, and it could have been a very different story. Uh, Peter, you're involved exactly, in the leadership yeah. in a church in uh, Tokyo. I'm wondering what you guys are doing there at the church. I mean, this is one of those opportunities like what we've seen here in Australia in the midst of the floods and the fires and everything else where the churches are really able to step up and make a real difference in their community. Um, I take it you have plans to really get out and, uh, I guess, talk to people for one thing and help them through all of this, but uh, also help them with the practical needs at this time? That's right. Yeah, that's right, Shelley. There's um, there's so many needs at the moment, Um I mean, the first thing is just for people to have peace, I think, and hope for the future. And so on Sunday, you know, the last couple of Sundays, our church in Tokyo and other related churches here in Tokyo are just really trying to encourage people that, you know, hey, God's still with us and, you know, God's in control of these things and we don't have to live in fear because there's so much fear around. And, um, you know, just after the earthquake, the Sunday after, um, the pastors, the past, the main pastor of our church spoke of Psalm 46, um, which talks about God is our refuge and our strength and a very present help in times of trouble. So we will not fear, even though the earth shakes, you know, and the mountains crumble into the sea oh, wow. and the seas roar. Psalm 46 is an incredible psalm. I remembered that psalm when I was in the train, actually, in the mountain tunnel. And I read that. And uh, so, you know, we're trying to encourage the people, whoever comes on Sundays, uh, with God's peace and, you know, that, that we don't have to be afraid. So that's the first thing, I guess, that people need peace in their lives. Um, and then just yesterday I was in a, in a pastor's meeting of a bunch of pastors around Tokyo just talking about what can we do practically for the needs, especially in northern Japan, the, the tsunami-devastated areas because they just need basic help at the moment. So actually there's a team going up today from some people from our church and other churches connected. Um, they're taking a team up with some basic supplies, uh, you know, toilet paper, food, uh, just really simple stuff like that. They're taking it up to a church in that area to distribute. Um, so there's, there's going to be waves of teams that go up, not just from our church, but from other churches that have got together at this time to see what we can do. Um, so there's a team coordinating that and coordinating volunteer teams to go up. And uh, hopefully uh, I want to be a part of one of those teams when I can just to go up and help, especially the people up in those northern areas who've been really affected. Mm. Um, so that's the positive stuff that is coming out of the tragedy that so many Volunteer teams have come into Japan. So many churches are mobilizing at the moment just to see what we can do to love people and to share God's love. So yeah. that's an encouraging thing. It is. And, I mean, yeah, like you say, if there's a positive to come out of everything we've seen, um, there'll be people who are asking questions about God and life and faith 
um, and it opens up mm. some very real opportunities for churches, uh, as we've seen here in Australia, uh, similarly over there. It does, it does, and it's a wonderful, uh, you know, opportunity to to share God's love at, um, you know, at a very desperate time in, in a lot of people's lives. So, you know, by God's grace, we want to do that the best that we can mm. um, and give some hope and peace to, uh, to to people over here at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Well, Peter, it's just an amazing story that you've got, and I guess um, you're very thankful to God for protecting you in um, what could have been just amazing circumstances. You've uh, definitely still got a story to tell, and uh, thanks for sharing it with us this morning. Thanks so much, Shelley. My, my pleasure, and I hope that it can be an encouragement to uh, people back there. If you'd like to download this interview, just go to www.historymakersradio.com and also you can make a donation if you'd like. I'm Matt Prater. Have a great week. History Makers.